This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we look back at some of the first videos that we ever made. This podcast also goes along with our latest YouTube video. If you check out our channel, we released a video reacting to our first videos ever. These are all videos that we made in 2012. So part of the inspiration for this video is the fact that we're working on a course right now. We're taking all the lessons that we've learned over the past eight years from storytelling to pitching an idea to building an audience and building a career out of making videos and putting it into one course. So before we start this episode, we wanted to just put a call out to everyone who's listening to let us know what you want to hear from us. What would you want to learn? As we're developing this curriculum, we want it to be really, really collaborative and we want to make sure that everything that you guys would want to see in a course, we're delivering. So you can tweet that at us, at Colin and Samir. You can also write us an email, colinandsamir at gmail.com. You can even comment on our Instagram. Just get in touch with us across any of those social platforms and let us know what do you want to see in a course. Obviously, right now is an incredible time to learn something new while we all have more time at home. And if you do want to try something out, Skillshare sponsored our latest YouTube video. And there's a link in the description of that video to get two months free. So if there's a course that you want to take on there, you want to try something out, or you want to get some ideas, definitely just check that out. You can sign up. It's two months free. You can cancel after two months, uh, but just something to check out while you have more time at home. Quick warning before you get into this episode, we do talk about our first videos ever, but we also span a wide range of topics and uh, just had a lot of fun recording this one. So we hope you enjoy this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. Do you remember the feeling of like the first time you were on camera? Like what that was like? Uh, yeah, I was terrified. What, what did you feel? Like were you just like, what am I, why am I doing this? I just had so many nerves around my identity and even what it meant to be me at that time. Like if a camera's rolling and this is going to be preserved forever, what version of me is going out in the world? It was a real like crisis immediately hitting me in the face. Yeah. I think also because we, when you and I both started on camera, we didn't have like a character we were playing. We weren't like, we didn't have a concept really. It was like we were there to deliver information to yes. people. And I was never super animated in very public settings. I feel like I was someone who I had three or four really close friends and I could joke and I could be animated, but I was not someone who could control a room. Mm -hmm. And that's what making a video felt like that first time was being in the front of the assembly or something like that. Moments that maybe frightened me when I was a kid in school. I think that during this quarantine and, and just kind of this whole experience, it's been really interesting to think about that being on camera is such a big part of our career still eight years later, because I had thoughts around like, God, I really want to cut my hair. But I was like, oh man, but I don't want to mess it up because I got to be on camera like multiple times a week. Same. I think about that all the time. I can't. And that's not a concern for the majority of people, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, I look at my brothers or one of my brothers shaved his head the other one had a mustache for a week like there are all these <laughs> yeah. things that are just people are having such a fun time with their appearance during yeah. quarantine and i guess we could do that but i don't know it's not really our style yeah to just be like scraggly and scruffy on the channel totally yeah i mean i think uh you know one thing that's really interesting we just put out this video called um reacting to our first youtube videos and um the process of watching that was so interesting because Colin and I both like were learning how to be on camera, but we were also getting to know each other because that's kind of how we met. 
was, you know, Colin moved out, started to work on, on the lacrosse network with, with us. And then, um, we were just like, all right, we got to be on camera. So then we started filming together. And then through that process, we started to get to know each other. And every time we would make a video, we were going out of our comfort zone and we would just start laughing and taking chances. I mean, it was so much fun to make a video in those first couple years because the funniest, like dumbest things would happen. You would just say something cringy because uh, we just weren't used to this. And what was funny was when we filmed ourselves watching our old videos, we kind of went back to that state and we were cracking up again. Uh, it was so fun. Yeah, that was really fun. It was a fun experience because like we would surprise each other so much when we were filming just because we actually didn't know what the other person was going to say. And what's interesting now is eight years later, we have it. I kind of know how you're going to say like it's hard for me to get surprised on camera by you unless we're doing an experience. If we're sitting and hosting, I was always surprised by things you would say. It would just make me laugh when you would mess up. Like, yeah, all of that was so new and fresh that that's, I think you know why looking back on that we it just became such a fun experience to film and be on camera and i think honestly that first year of 2012 how much fun we had making those videos is why this is still our career definitely it was a life-changing yeah. year having that much fun and having a community and audience to see us having that much fun and have fun with us mm-hmm. and like laugh in the comments and respond this is a really fun video to make the reacting to our first videos like very fun video to make. What's funny is you look at some of those videos now and they have 24 comments. Some of them have a lot of comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but some yeah. of them, you know, that were so fun to make, you realize we had maybe 25 people commenting. Right. But it felt huge. It felt so impactful. Totally. And it, you know, it was for us. So what's interesting is that we've been making videos for eight years. Um, of course, we've we've had so many, like such a variety of experiences. It is our career and has, has been our career um, since then. We've... Um, you know, sold a company, we've worked with major brands, um, but, you know, we're still learning a lot um, about the YouTube platform. We've learned a lot, but what we're specifically starting to learn more of is like the thumbnails and like the thumbnail game. We, we spend a lot of time on this thumbnail and over time, like we've been tweeting out, if you're following us, different thumbnails to get people's opinions, um, talking to some of our creator friends like Yes Theory, uh, but then also most recently, which I don't think I've brought this up on the podcast, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mr. Beast, uh, who, if you don't know him, one of the biggest creators on, on YouTube, shot us a DM and was like, hey, we'd love to call you. And I got on the phone with him and he was just so nice to talk to. And so um, kind of, he was like such a uh, mentor on the phone and just like really starting to talk about like, okay, I really like your content, but here's where you could improve. Like you really got to focus on your thumbnails and titles and start there. Cause the concept has to be good. Think of it the best, you know, title and thumbnail and then back it up with the video. And it's, it's a really interesting thing because that's, it's unique to YouTube that you have to do that. Um, but it is actually one of the most important things uh, like that you could do of the entire the entire platform and the entire video making experience starts with a thumbnail. It's a phenomenal storytelling exercise because it's the ultimate constraint for your story. Can you put everything pretty much that's happening in your story, the buildup of your story that would make someone want to watch, can you put it into a single photo? Right. And have the elements be big enough that at a glance someone can see it and understand what's happening. Totally. It's a massive constraint. And it definitely is making us better storytellers now that we have to think 
What's the thumbnail that would make someone even want to watch this story? Yeah, I think what's interesting, what you just said, is like you have to tell the story, but then imagine before you before you pick up a camera, you have to say, can this story be told in a really engaging way in a photo or a graphic design as a standalone image, right? Is it is it interesting and is the hook of this story interesting enough that I can tell it through an image? What is that image? Let me make that image, take a look at it and be like, would someone click on this image to even get to the video? It's crazy. You have one frame yeah. to make people want to watch potentially 15 minutes. There's an amazing phrase. I don't, I don't remember where I heard it, but it says, um, the world doesn't read, it glances. Or they glance, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. Grammar. But um, just the concept that every your whole story, your your everything about what you're doing needs to be understood at a glance. And... And that, if you think about Instagram right now, like everything is rapidly moving. Like you're scrolling so fast. It, something would catch my eye. You only have less than a second to catch my eye and have me go like, oh, what was that? It, it's just amazing to me because I remember thinking six years ago, ah, I know so much about YouTube. Mm-hmm. I am a YouTube expert. I remember we got certified from Google yep. and we were, we got to put these little graphic design things that said YouTube certified either on our website or in our in our emails in the footers. And I just remember really thinking, I'm an expert at YouTube. And, you know, now eight years of being on YouTube and we're just now taking photos for yeah. our thumbnails and starting to truly sink into the art of coming up with the right concept, the right title, the right thumbnail. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing how sort of blinded we were yeah, I think we focused a lot on the storytelling and on the craft of making a good video. And that craft is very important on YouTube. But it all starts with the thumbnail. It all starts with the concept. Um, There's another tweet I saw this week that said concept over production value. I love that. One. And I love that. That's so good. And, um, you know, again, just back to Mr. Beast and some of the conversations I've had with him, uh, you know, the, the thoughts that he shares are a lot around like how much time he spends concepting. He said this on, on the interview he did with Casey, where he said, if someone's spending an hour thinking of an idea, I'm going to spend 10. Yeah. And that, that mentality is so important I mean, is that the concept has to be right. The Michael Jordan yeah. of YouTube thumbnails, but also backing up those thumbnails. Yeah, like, so I guess he's the Michael Jordan of YouTube right now. Totally. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, when we look back at 2012, Colin and Samir, it's, it's, it's amazing how much has happened. It's amazing how much we've learned from a, um, you know, perspective of now we actually work with brands like big brands, global brands to make videos and, and share them. Um, that's like, that, that's a really cool thing to watch that transformation and, and look back on that. And uh, I, I hope it was fun for all of you guys to watch that video because it was so fun to make and so fun to look back on. Um, and, Honestly, it was a different format for us um, than we've than we've done in the past couple of weeks. We've kind of been stuck to this breakdown video essay format, and then we decided to shift it up and try something new, which was you know not as reliant on on a story that was outside of our own selves and our own you know world. Yeah, the common thread I hope is that anyone could watch any number one of our videos and it provides a service. There's an education that can, that can be gained about storytelling, whether it's mm-hmm. lessons from our actual past telling stories 
or breaking down other creators in the way that, that they're telling stories today. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's such, uh, we were just talking about this before we press record, it was such a big part of our mission and like what we want to do, which is, you know, educate, uh, empower and uh, encourage the next generation of, of storytellers. Because for us, when we look back on that, those first few videos changed our lives. 100%. Like what, what we are doing right now is because we filmed ourselves with a webcam in 2012. I mean, I always think about the fact that the first video I ever pressed publish on had, you know, around 500 views, but one of those views was you. Right. And that drastically changed my entire career. I didn't study filmmaking. I never thought I would do anything like that. Yeah. I watch that first video now and I cringe all the time looking right. at it. It's awful. Um, but, you know, it found an audience, a small audience that was able to change my life. Right. You know, and that to me keeps me going and keeps me wanting to put out videos that help educate people about storytelling because I think it's so impactful. Totally. And I think you you go back and you look at some of the biggest creators. One of my favorite things to do is go to a, a big YouTube creators channel, go to um, the filter that's like sort by and you can sort by oldest uploads and you go back to their first uploads and you just start watching like, what were they doing at the beginning of this? Like, what were they, what were they trying to do? And that's, that's fascinating. Um, so, like we said, we, we love sharing these lessons. We hope that all of our videos are kind of in that same vein of, you know, you watch it um, and you feel both educated and, uh, you know, kind of you feel like you have that uh, inspiration for yourself to press publish and to get excited about publishing your ideas. Um, we are, we mentioned this on the last um, on the last podcast episode as well as in our podcast, our, yeah, podcast episode as well as on the YouTube channel, but that we do have a class that we're working on right now a a course like a colin and samir um, course and we want to hear from you guys whether it's through a tweet or um, over email what would you want to hear from us like what do you want to learn from us as we're developing this um this course we, we'd love to hear from you guys so if you have something let us know it's so fun to develop because there there really is no school for this there's right. no like formal place mm -hmm. to learn these types of things uh, because they're all so new and nor will there be i don't think i think you'd have to like no i'm only going to get it from us I also think, i think formal creators. formal school in itself mm -hmm. is something that is you know as you've seen with what's happened during this pandemic with college and everyone having to now uh, take classes from home and you know you're starting to really understand that, like that style of education where everyone's at a campus you know combined with all the student debt seems like it's starting to become uh you know potentially a, a less viable less interesting option for a lot of people who need education yeah right mm -hmm. totally i mean where are you going to learn how to make good tiktoks right i mean i mean not from us but definitely not from us yeah like somebody could teach you <laughs> yeah i'm i am i'm so impressed with tiktok as a platform we have an idea for a video where samir and i both try and go viral on TikTok separately mm -hmm. in a given week. And ever since you brought that up like two weeks ago, every day I think, what could I do? <laughs> I think it would be really fun. It would be such a fun video if we both just have, maybe we have three days to make it like more kind of dramatic. And then there's yeah. a tracker for how many views each of us have. Here's the issue. I have a significant other who 
dislikes how much I watch TikTok and doesn't want to engage okay. with it. I have a significant other yeah. who's like, can you please watch TikToks with me so I don't have to watch them alone? And who's like starting to learn how to get viewership on TikTok. That's true. Yeah. she's She has her own account. She posts multiple TikToks a day and is yeah. picking up steam. Like Madeline has a TikTok with 30,000 views today. So you have a huge advantage. Yeah. I'm in like a content house. Yeah, you're here. in a content house. You're basically <laughs> the hype house. Yes. And I'm in like the anti, I'm in like the you're too old to be watching TikTok house. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually think that'd be a great yeah, but video like for us to make. Katie is a phenomenal dancer. That's true. We have gotten some views. Thousands of views. Thousands of from views dancing. from our dancing. Yeah. 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 I'm a, well, I can't even believe I'm saying this because I used to think I was a phenomenal dancer. Right. But, but I've been told that I'm actually not that good of a dancer. Well, I think you just have, you know, it's, it's like, when you have a lot of like yes men around you, like everyone's just saying like yeah man, like you're, you're no you're a good dancer. Yeah, I didn't but, realize though I had. But yes then you men start all to, around me. People start to get a little bit older, and they're like, I think we should tell them. I think we should tell them, man. Like, it's not great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Madeline told me I wasn't a good dancer after yeah. the first time she saw me dance, mm. and I thought she was joking. Mm-hmm. And then when she said she was serious, I. I was pretty angry. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I brought it up. Uh, I do like a, a Zoom call with some of my college friends from time to time. And I brought it up and they were all like, ah, <laughs> you know, I mean, Katie's been telling me that too, as I've been trying to do the TikTok dances. She's like, you're so stiff. You don't know how to do this. And I'm like, I'm not stiff. You're stiff. And that's what she said. And I was like, I'm not stiff. And now I realize I'm stiff. I don't know how to dance. Have you thought so, about what you would do on TikTok? Of course, but I'm not telling you because yeah, it's a competition. I know. I know. I've, I've got some in mind as well. Yeah, but it would be so fun because through the process, again, we would be learning about the platform and teaching the audience as well, but going through an experience that's like kind of transformational of becoming big TikTok stars and leaving this life of, you know. And it's a win-win because even if one of us completely tanks, yeah, it's funny. you learn and it's funny. Totally. You learn what not to do. It's great. And then if someone takes off, sure, then, you know, maybe you go your separate ways and it's time to just be... I just think it's incredible <laughs> that platform changes so rapidly like what is what is the zeitgeist of that platform is like every two days there's something brand new and it has taken over the platform i'm amazed too that as we're scrolling and watching tiktoks they're all different they're from creators i've never seen before i'm starting to recognize some of the new Mm -hmm. creators each time i go back and watch but the variety of content from post to post is out of control and yet the entertainment value is so high, super high, that I don't care that they're all different. And there is this amazing, like what they've done with the interface is incredible because the for you page, you have no idea what's next. That's so exciting. It, it kind of happens on Instagram, but whatever, like the discover page is not really the same. Yeah, you know, this is a for you page. This is not who I'm following. So it's just as I'm scrolling, it's like filling the frame with the video, super engaging. If I don't want to watch it, no problem. Just move on. And then it learns what I like. It's like, it's just, I don't know. I think it's like the video idea we have for our next breakdown is um, about how TikTok has completely dominated. And like during the quarantine era, it just took over. And I feel like coming out of the quarantine era, it has really solidified its, its place with the old, a little bit of an older demographic with more people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And even when you open Instagram, 50% of the content is made on TikTok and just posted on Instagram now. 
Yeah. And one of the smartest things that TikTok did is they I think they recognize like we are a creation platform. You can download like they're like no problem. Da- they make it super easy not only to download the video but to publish to in- there's a button that says publish to Instagram. You are a different platform. Can you imagine if Instagram was like publish to Snapchat? Yeah. They wouldn't do that. Yeah, that is really interesting. But they're like no, we know, but the catch is it'll have your handle on it. Fantastic. I'm stoked if I'm the user. And it'll have our TikTok logo next to your handle. So it's like you, the brand recognition, it just took over. So how do you think Instagram feels about so many TikToks being shared on their platform? Because you know they're developing. I'm sure this has already been announced somewhere. I don't know. But that yeah. they're developing their own version of you know TikTok. Yeah. But I mean like. I know YouTube is. I saw that came out. Yeah. Here's the issue. YouTube launched Stories. Is that successful? No. No. Instagram launched. It was clunky. Instagram launched IGTV. Is that its own thing? I don't. It's just like you can you can upload a longer video to Instagram now, right? Yeah, like I, I feel like these sub kind of platforms that they're launching and, and sub brands are like it's got to be really good because TikTok has a cool factor to it that Instagram used to have, and it 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 takes something really substantial to to knock it off its throne right now. I feel like Instagram has become a really great place for commerce. Mm-hmm to sell product. I feel like I'm shopping when I'm on Instagram at all times. Yeah. When I'm on TikTok, I feel like I'm being entertained. Yeah, that's true. Comedy on TikTok is incredible. Yeah. Um, whereas on Instagram, I really just feel like I'm, sh- and maybe it's because I engage with ads too much, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just shopping on Instagram, whether it's from like friends or influencers or brands. It's not weird that like Facebook was super cool at one point and then it got lame. Yeah. And then Instagram has been really cool. Still cool. Instagram's still cool. But it's a little bit lamer than TikTok. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're not cool, and that's why we think it's cool. Yeah, it still feels cool. Yeah, I agree. It still feels. Cool. It still feels cool. It still feels like in the in the vibe. Like like all the biggest celebrities and like the still people who are it. considered cool, they aren't posting to their Facebook pages. And it's cool that you can make significant money. Yeah. On Instagram, that's pro- that probably adds a lot to the appeal of like, right? it being cool. Yeah. It's probably why part of YouTube is cool. Totally. Right. Because if you're successful. You can. That's make another a lot crazy of money. thing, though, right? I mean, I I was just reading how much Charlie D'Amelio makes on a TikTok. How much do you think she makes? Hundred thousand. So so actually, the average they said was twenty five thousand. Okay. But then when you go and watch them, and you start to recognize like how simple it is to make it. I mean, granted, I don't know. I'm not Charlie D'Amelio. But I'd have You're to, stiff, man. I'm stiff. I'd have to imagine if I could dance like Charlie D'Amelio, you drink one of those Dunkin' Donuts coffees, do a couple of dances for 10 seconds, that's a wrap. 25 25K grand. in your pocket. Give me the next deal. How much do you think Kylie Jenner gets on Instagram to tag someone in her feed? 100 plus. 100 plus. 100 plus, yeah. I think 150. So is Kylie Jenner just Actually, on a totally different maybe level? half a million. I mean, Kylie Jenner, like, yeah. But here's the, here's the weird thing. Now we're going deep. I'm going deep down this hole now. But- Charlie D'Amelio and Kylie Jenner, their engagements on their posts, not that different. Kylie, yes, she's bigger, but relatively, Charlie's <laughs> catching up. I just appreciate that you know. Oh, I'm deep, you man. Know that, like, like you're, an, you are, and this is really both of us, but you are a real investigator. I'm an investigator. I'm a student of the game. I think this industry is fascinating. It's the industry I think I will always be in. Yeah, and they're at the top. You know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Another person who's impressed me is David Dobrik. He hasn't uploaded any vlogs to YouTube. He uploaded one, which was an absolute knockout of the park. Yeah. Absolute. Like, he was just like, I got it. Everyone's scrambling to make content. Let me just make one incredible video. I think it's great that he's not uploading. It's fantastic. It's like if this pandemic gets in the way of you doing what you do best and you don't want to put out subpar stuff that's not what you do, then hold off. Here's what's crazy about it. And I was talking to um, Zach, who's Yes Theory's manager, um, about this. He stopped putting out YouTube videos, and I think that's great. Creatively, right decision to, to keep the brand strong of what those vlogs are. If you can't do it, if you can't make an action-packed four minutes and 20 seconds with parties and you know whatever else is in Dobrik's vlogs that are super fun, don't do it. But he shifted over to TikTok, started uploading two to three funny house bits a day, essentially made a second channel or third channel that's like pure personality-based BTS of him and Natalie. And now he's monetizing it with ads in there. And he's like, the fa- you, you, I opened the TikTok, uh, TikTok app the other day and it's Dobrik giving out Chipotle cards on the homepage like before you the app even loads. And you're like, oh, from from his like creator business perspective, he spent two weeks uploading to TikTok and then just made that his... And that he probably is like, wait a second, this is way easier than editing a action-packed four-minute and 20-second vlog. I think some of these people who came from Vine too are just so ready for tiktok uh last night we were watching some of liza koshi's Mm -hmm. tiktoks she is an incredible dancer yeah she's so creative uh and it's just a seamless transition from like vine to youtube and now to tiktok it's it's awesome you want to talk about seamless transitions how do you say elon musk's kid's name oh my goodness that's that's a interesting topic of discussion because <laughs> apparently it's kyle what yeah that's so elon musk and grimes yeah to do that but like are people just memeing their kids now like is that meme culture but, just getting to like a human being who's gonna have to live as a living meme now you know what I he has no choice in i the think matter. though some people don't look at memeing someone as a bad thing. I think what Elon Musk did was generate fame and popularity the instant this baby was born. Like, wouldn't Kanye West do this? Yeah. Right? I guess so. Like, I feel like this is the type of thing where it's like all like attention at any cost. Yeah, totally. Like, whatever it means. It's just like attention is currency now. The attention economy, Colin. It is like the attention economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one though. I was just like, "All right, you're definitely you're gonna change his name, right?" Who knows? Like, <laughs> if that's the world we live in, where my kid is gonna go to elementary school with a kid named X, like e X A dash, yeah, like a palindrome. I mean, or whatever. we're moving quickly into the matrix. So, well, yeah, we talked about this, and we'll probably make a quick IGTV video about this because we want to engage with everyone and have a conversation around the future of concerts. But seeing the Travis Scott Fortnite concert and people being super hyped to be at that concert was kind of eerie for me. Yeah, but Fortnite is a world that people are excited to be at yeah. in itself that I like would really love to do a breakdown on. I think it's it's worthy of one. We should yeah, I wonder what the title would be for that. Like we 
played Fortnite for 24 hours straight. <laughs> oh, no. I have so much learning um, to do about Fortnite, but yeah, it's fascinating to me the way that artists and people are recreating what they do in a digital place, mm-hmm. you know, to do it in a Fortnite environment, which is like Sims. It's like, yeah, you know, and people are still excited and there's a lot of conversation and talk about it. Well, I think right now, you know, we just covered a lot of wild social media topics. We had a lot uh, to get out. We had a lot to get out, a lot to talk about. Um, but, you know, right now we're living in a world where the media landscape is just shifting rapidly, but it's also a lot of it is getting reinvented because of what the world is now going to look like after this pandemic. Like like concerts, you know, like di- different things are just going to get completely reinvented. Um, and, you know, I talked to my dad this morning and he said to me, he was like, you know, what you do is what's going to be really important in the next few years. Meaning like the fact that we know how to communicate messages online, we know how to make videos, we know how to kind of use this skill set and use the internet to make a business and to, you know, actually interact is, is, is something that a lot of people might not have that skill like people who don't have that skill set is a little bit more challenging who knows what's going to happen to major in-person events to restaurants it's just such an unknown the ways that people are going to have to make money you know and i think that's why a lot of people are going to have to learn like they're going to have to learn about how do i shift all of this stuff to online i mean the fact that the music industry is going to have to shift to like tiktok as their new radio and potentially Fortnite as their new tour like you know yeah, what I mean? Like, but I think it is like online absolutely is the attention economy. Like, yeah. even think about all of these restaurants now who are doing pickup, mm-hmm. right? Like, the only way for them really to get to people and make sure that they know they're a viable option is through social media. Totally. So right. let's let's now give the three biggest lessons you've learned in the last eight years about storytelling online. Well, you're just going to drop that on me? Yeah, I just figured I'd put you on the spot. You got one in mind? I'll give you number one <laughs> right now. Okay. This is the biggest one, and it started eight years ago, and it still exists to this day that Colin and I do, which is audience first. I was just, yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Audience first. Audience first. So one of the biggest lessons that I, I would ever give to someone, I even worked with someone today on like thinking through an email marketing strategy, get super defined on who it's for. Yeah. If you're making a video, who is it for? And what do they like? What do they not like? Where are they currently hanging out? Where are they hanging on out? The internet? What else do they watch? Yeah. Who are their friends? Um, I would say another one is what we already mentioned earlier in this po- podcast, which is concept over production value. And mm-hmm. that's something we knew early on. You know, one of our first video to hit 100,000 views was shot on a phone. Yep. And that was an eye opener because I was editing pulling all-nighters, making, you know, 15-minute episodes that yeah. it took a long time to make, and you put it out and didn't do nearly as well as that. That's such a Didn't huge generate one. nearly as much mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and number three, I would say, um, is what you just said, is um, create conversation. And the reason I say that one is because that has to do a little bit with what we were talking about at the top of this episode about titles and thumbnails, Um, was you have to envision the conversation. You have to make the conversation easy to be had. So if your video title is, or if your video itself is kind of overtly 
complicated or it's not easy for me to turn to a friend and say, hey, did you see that video where? Because mm-hmm. like David Dobrik's video during quarantine, super simple to tell someone what it was. See this video of a guy who just went around and spread joy by giving out money and PlayStations? Yeah, it's so easy. Like easy. No, log. I haven't seen that. Let me, yeah, let me send it to you. No easy problem. log line. Doesn't matter Simple. if it's David Dobrik or anyone else who did it. It's just like, yeah, you, it's great. You look at Dobrik, he created conversation with that, and he made it really easy for you to have the conversation. You know, so like right then and there, before the video, before you even pick up the camera, you're thinking about who's the audience, you're thinking about the concept is the most important. Don't get too caught up in the production value. Make it easy for yourself. And then three, what is the conversation they're having once this thing is done? How are they passing it around? How are they actually making this thing shareable in their in their community? Fourth lesson, I would say. Oh, we're, is, we're going. Here I we am go. going there. Yeah. Make sure you've checked off the boxes for the first three lessons before you even think about filming. Yeah. And that's a new one that, that we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes we've realized we've made videos before we've checked off all those boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more time you put in beforehand, the better it's going to be, you know, on, on the other side. So, yeah, those are three, the four, three, four, how many? I don't four. know, but I, I just want to say yeah. thanks for bringing us back there because yeah. once we started talking about Elon Musk's kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'm Travis always tracking. Scott, I'm always we, tracking. I mean, I was ready to go. <laughs> You know, I would have never come back. I just want you to know that I was I was out. All right, let's end with this. What was what was the weirdest thing you did this week or watched this week? <laughs> the weirdest thing I did, <laughs> yeah, or watched. or watched this week. Oh man, the weirdest thing I did or watched this week. Um, <laughs> do you have anything in mind? I watched a compilation of people making Zoom backgrounds of themselves um, for Zoom calls which was hilarious. Like there's a guy and he's on a zoom call and then himself comes from behind him and gives him a coffee because he's made himself, he's made that video as a background. Hilarious. But I spent hours watching this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've watched a lot of TikTok this week, but not many of them have really stuck with me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've had a, pretty standard week (laughs) nothing sticks out as being like very bizarre Mm. to me it'll come to you it'll come to me if i'm i will tell you what it is i just i need to think harder about it Mm. i'll ask madeline when this is over (laughs) i'm sure she'll tell me all right well again um we are working on developing a um, course right now and we'd love your input on what you guys would love to learn about storytelling uh about how to develop an audience on the internet um, about how to work with brands or make a career out of uh, making videos and and out of your creativity. Um, We're really excited about this course, really excited to, um, you know, empower and and educate the next generation of of storytellers. It's just like so exciting because for us, again, turning on a camera, making a video, it completely changed our life. It led us to right here. um, And we just can't wait to share that with you. So if you guys have any thoughts or questions that you want to ask us or anything along those lines, please feel free to uh, to let us know. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Definitely go check out our YouTube video if you haven't already. Uh, looking at us reacting and cringing to our first YouTube videos ever. Honestly, some of the stuff that I watched on there, I was like, I cannot believe that this is on the internet. 
And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are working on a course right now. We're in the process of just outlining and writing out the curriculum, and we'd love your feedback on what you'd like to see out of a Colin and Samir course. So definitely tweet that at us, get in touch with us, let us know what you want to see, and we will see you next week right here on the Colin and Samir podcast.